thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Okay, are you excited about Dr. Hal Kitchings being your new pastor? I'd have voted no. I'm kidding. 100% vote yes. I would have obviously voted not only yes, but an enthusiastic 1,000 yeses if I could. Uh, Hal is incredible. Um, He has the demeanor that you were introduced to last week. He's joyful. Uh, He's got a heritage and a history and a resume that looks like that. And and I kind of hate the fact that he's cute, too. That, that sort of drives me crazy. You know, my sweet wife, who was in class with Hal when Hal's name was announced, she said, he's cute. I'm like, I, I don't need to hear that. My daddy used to say, if you don't have anything to say, son, put on a tie. So today I put on a tie because I'll never be as cute as Hal. So, Hal, if you're watching this, I just want to apologize for all of that. I just, it, that was uncalled for totally. You should be excited about the next season because God has clearly favored you. I don't know what the days actually hold. None of us do. We don't know how long or when or what assignment, but uh, what apparently looks like God is doing is placing East Haven Baptist Church in a posture in this community, in this region, where you will become even more effective than you are now. What you probably won't be is any more loving you will just be loving more. And I think that is an incredible season to look forward to as the body of Christ. And my cautionary note today as an interim pastor, and really I'm the interim preacher is what I'm saying. I'm the Sunday morning speaker and I've been with you on some other occasions. But your body has been blessed with pastors and leaders who have taken care of you and you've moved forward outside of the full-time office of a lead pastor. What I want to tell you today with great love and caution is these people aren't perfect and your new pastor isn't perfect either. I mean, I don't want to burst the bubble too soon, but Hal is absolutely aware that he is Jesus-dependent He is a recipient of grace just like you, just like me, and that he will do some things that will not be exactly what you might think you would do if you might find yourself in the position he's in. He will do some things differently. He will come with vision. Some of you will say, we've never done that before. Uh Uh-huh. That's exactly right because it's going to be a new day in whatever ways. And somehow God and his sovereignty and his graciousness and sometimes in a sense of humor brings us people who stretch us and I am praying I don't know that how will really stretch you because he's so kind and he's so wise and he's so pastoral and he's so experienced it's not his first time to the pulpit folks and he is going to stretch you some and he's going to lead you I started to use the term push you I don't think he's going to push I think he's going to lead and, and I think that's a really, really good thing. You are favored and you are blessed and some of your best days are ahead. 
uh, I might have voted no because I really don't want to go. Because I really, I've, I've learned to love you. And it, in my interactions, not just on Sunday mornings, but with your leadership, uh, with people, uh, I start naming names, I'll get in trouble. But certainly with Scott and your staff and all of you have been so gracious to me. It's just, it's just been a delight to be here. Uh, it's warm and loving, and I think God's got great days for East Haven, for this area, this city, this region. Uh, I think the kingdom will expand because of what he's doing in and through you. This morning, if you have your Bible open, we are still in this journey uh, for at least another two or three weeks uh, while... Uh, the plans are being made and the logistics are worked out. And as Pastor Howe comes to be your pastor, uh, I'll be with you not next week. I'm actually out next week, but perhaps for another couple of weeks beyond that if the Lord allows. And in this journey of uh, the book of Romans today, we find ourselves in Romans 10. So if you have a Bible, if you'll open to Romans 10. And if you received a worship guide when you came in, there is a, uh, an outline there. It's got five points. I thought I was really working hard. And it's, it's hard to get simple, honestly. I mean, you can do an outline that has 24 points, and you can outline every verse. But I thought I was doing really good to get to five points or four points over the last few weeks. And then I saw Hal's last week, and there were only four words on the page. <laughs> but this guy has drilled down to the essence of this message today. So you got five points. It's really just a, a three, four-verse kind of walk in the center of the 10th chapter of Romans. We began this study, as you remember, uh, obviously in Romans 1, and we talked a little bit about the history. Paul is wanting to go to Rome. Rome is the centerpiece, uh, the, the crossroads of the Western world at the time. Paul wants to go there. There's a, there's a cadre of Jews there. Paul, as a rabbi, is speaking to them, but also to the Gentiles, and he is making the point in this theological treatise that is Romans that the gospel is for everybody. And Romans 1.16 arguably is the key verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to those who believe, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And throughout Romans, even as he takes moments to talk about God's sovereignty and God's holding us and God's election and how God works all things together and how God provides for us and how we're sons and daughters like we just sang. Even while he's doing that, he comes back regularly to the Jews. He comes back to his people and he says, you know, we had this promise and many have not received the promise of life in Jesus, but it's all about his grace and our righteousness now uh, has never been about how we worked. It's always been by faith, but it's even more so now that we've seen the Savior. And the Savior is Jesus, and everybody can come to him. And that's where we really find ourselves in Romans 10 this morning. Uh, I'm not reading all of Romans 10 uh, to you today, but it's a, a significant work, as Paul talks about um, how the Jews can come to Christ by faith alone, a theme that we've seen driven all the way through these passages. Romans 10, I love this, beginning in verse, I'm, I'm going to back up and I'm going to go to verse 8. Um, well, I'm going to go to verse 9. 
that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul's writing in the context of Jews as a rabbi, and he goes once again to the very heart of the gospel, that if you confess with your mouth and you uh, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a belief, there is a confession, and it's about Jesus for these people who are awaiting the Messiah literally for millennia. He talks through the difference between the Jew and the Gentile, and he comes to this conclusion, essentially there's none. It's all by faith in Jesus. And then this morning, in verse 13, we read this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This morning, being very careful to handle the Scripture delicately and with much reverence, and being careful not to try to twist grammatical issues with the Scripture, with the text. I want to just take that apart for just a couple of minutes. You see in your notes, I just took the basic words. We want to examine what Paul's saying in the middle of this about what it means to Jew and Gentile to know Jesus. Number one in verse 13 is everyone. Everyone. God's heart is demonstrated, it's presented, it's manifest in this word everyone. The gospel is available to everyone. Now, this morning we may well say, I know that, Gary. Uh, The gospel is available to everyone. But if you think about what we've read over the last several weeks and you think about Paul's other epistles, his writing, we see that Paul affirms the sovereignty of God even in election and he uses the word predestination. That word alone has divided churches and denominations, believers for the last several hundred years. But he is saying everyone Every, the gospel is available to everyone. And although the context specifically, the argument here, if you will, the polemic of this is for the Jews and the Gentiles, it's for everyone. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It's literally everyone. Everyone can come to Christ. And he's going to make a case here real quickly that there's a responsibility attached to that. The conversation among great Presbyterian or Reformed Baptist pastors and those who hold to a high view of election, which should be held highly because it's scriptural, sometimes will end up at a place that sounds like, well, God will do what God will do. If he needs me, he'll let me know. He's letting you know he needs you. That's what this passage is. But he starts with this this offer, this understanding, everyone, the gospel is available to. Everyone should and needs to hear the gospel. They need a voice. They need a preacher. He'll speak to that in just a moment. Everyone. A long time ago, I learned 
a thought that has really helped me, and maybe you're way ahead of this. Uh, maybe it's new to you. It was new to me at one point. I remember somebody basically said to me, Gary, there is a difference between descriptive and prescriptive. Between descriptive and prescriptive. Let me give you uh, an example here in this room. Descriptively, I see a lot of predominantly white, middle class assumptions, Lincoln County, Mississippi, United States, believers who probably, based on my observation, my life experience and your testimonies, Many of you have known the Lord a long time. Descriptively, that's kind of who you are. But that doesn't prescribe that has to be who you are. We may well, out of obedience, see people who don't look like you in those demographics walk through the doors. Why? Because the gospel is for who? everyone. And I recognize them online, and I'm grateful for those of you at Facebook or online, uh, the website, wherever you might be watching this or capturing this later. We're grateful for you looking in. So I'm going to be personal, and I'm going to be specific and, I, and with, with high value for people because everyone needs and deserves the gospel. So let me say it this way. So strap in. Predominantly Hispanic workers in the chicken plants, they need Jesus. You got that? The African Americans who live outside of your neighborhood, they need Jesus. The people who are lily white, but their life is kind of a train wreck, like really at the core, all of ours are, they need Jesus. The gospel is for everyone. It's not just for people within our comfort zone who look like us. Now, that's, that's really kind of uncomfortable. And if it had been 30 or 40 years ago, it might have been racially charged or, you know, what are you trying to do to our church? There might have been some of that. But where I am in my life, and I think where you are in maturity and the growth over the years, here's what it really feels like. It, it feels like, oh my goodness, that's going to require personal responsibility and work on my part. If I see everybody as needing Jesus, I, I've got a responsibility to share Jesus with everybody. Well, I want to tell you whether you're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90, yes, you and I have responsibilities to share Jesus with everybody. Everyone who calls. And this is the description of those out of everybody who actually respond to the gospel. Who calls. So it's not that the gospel, and hear this, the gospel is not universalism. It's not everybody in the world knows Jesus. No, they don't. And Paul's about to explain that. It's everyone but who calls. 
there is a response of faith by those who come to Jesus. It's everyone who calls. That calls out, that singles out, that removes out of everyone a group of people, all of us who have called on the name of the Lord, who have responded in faith and trust to Jesus. So it's not everyone, even though God loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him, it's everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. On the name of the Lord implies a lot. I love the thought of a name. You know, we're in a season of life where we've had children and we have grandchildren, and the process of naming our kids was really fun. And a lot of it had to do with who we were and the lineage that we had. We wanted to name with some names that hearkened back to our lineage and our parents or our grandparents because it was a way to honor, listen, it was a way to honor the name. And some of you know what I'm talking about. For instance, my father was Jacob Elliot Mays. Well, I had a really great 50s name. Any of you older adults know what I'm talking about? My name is Gary Lee. It could not be any more middle of the baby boom right there, Gary Lee. But we named my son understanding that we were praying for a strong personality who would be strong and courageous. We named Josh, Joshua Elliot Mays, same initial, same middle name as my father. Josh has named his son James Elliot Mays, same initials, J-E-M, same middle name, also believing that he would be I hold my breath about this. Josh and Stacy really believe that little boy will be a son of thunder. I hope that's good news. You know what I mean? But there's a lot about name. Because name implies lineage. It implies character. It brings strength and history and context to a person. And the name of the Lord, that phrase, is not magic. It's not an incantation. It's not a low view of words or language. It's about all that is true about Jesus. So everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, that's all that's true about him. Sometime back we talked about the logo of God or the logos of God as we were moving toward Christmas. And how a logo identifies all that's true for an entity or a corporation. And I think I probably said that morning, if you see the CBS logo, you think CBS TV. Or you see the Apple logo, you think Apple iPhone or your laptop. Or When you see a logo, you think about all that's true. And when you see the name of Jesus and all that's true, Jesus would say, when you've seen me, Jesus... When you, he would say, when you've seen him, seen me, he would say, you've seen the Father. Call upon the name of Jesus, the name of the Lord. And what will happen as a result of that trust and faith, found a little earlier in our passage, they will be saved. They will be saved. So whatever season of life, whatever background, whatever lineage we might have, Jew or Gentile, virtually all of us, 
if we call upon the name of the Lord, we believe, we confess the passage, we will be saved. We will be rescued from eternal separation from God. We have the opportunity by faith, because of God's grace alone, to know him and to be saved. Now, that is the core of the gospel in this verse that is found most often in what many of us in the room would know as the Roman road or the Romans road, which is a number of verses that take us through the gospel and present the opportunity to come to faith in Christ. But the following verses, 14 and 15, if you're in your Bible, uh, check out verses 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one, I'm sorry, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. If I were sitting in a chair this morning and I heard me say that, I would think, well, that's a verse about preaching. But that word is not actually about preaching. It's about telling. It's about forth-telling. It's about proclaiming. And it's really about a responsibility for all of us. That we have this key to life, which is the gospel of God for which we are not ashamed. And everyone needs to hear it. And we have a responsibility to share it. The reality is, thinking about your new pastor or your past pastors, who have been God's men as well, they're not in your yard. They're not in your office. They're not at your school. They're not the ones who have a voice in everybody's life. That is you. That is you. And if we're going to see a movement of God, if we respond to God's heart to grow the kingdom and to change lives for eternity, we've all got to step up. Because anyone out of everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a responsibility. It's as uh, we used to say back in the day, anybody go to the skating rink? It's an all-skate We're all skating. It's not just the preacher. It's not the youth pastor. It's not the Sunday school teacher. It's all of us. And if I, again, I feel this because it's not natural for me in every setting, but to be sure and to be clear and to be honest. But if I were sitting right there listening to me, I would think, oh, oh, I I have such a hard time talking to people about Jesus Yes, you do, because there are some natural challenges to that. There's the challenge in our flesh that says, why am I telling you this? I struggle myself. I'm less than perfect. Do I have a hearing with you? Will I misrepresent somehow the truth of Scripture? It can seem so overwhelming or so confusing or so complicated. I I get that. Or what will happen if they reject me? Oh, I hate to be rejected. Will they be rejecting me? Will they be rejecting the message? That's just going to feel awkward. What happens if I share with my family and they don't receive Christ? They don't receive my testimony. Then have I built a wall between me and somebody that I desperately love? What will I do? Listen, all those thoughts go through your heads, my head. They happen all the time. 
And I'm not going to just blanketly say they're of the enemy, but I'm going to tell you, those thoughts are not of the Lord. Everyone needs the Lord. And he has you in just the right place to share the gospel. This verse that we started with, verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, that's really the core of the gospel. And that's the starting place for why we gather together. This morning, I was uh, particularly appreciative and moved as we worshiped together. To be in the position that I've had the privilege of being in for the last several months and being very candid with you, with my heart, imperfect though it is, uh, several times I just turned and looked at you while we were worshiping together. It is such an incredible thing for us to be able to encourage one another to the end where we might share the glorious gospel of Christ with those who need to hear. Do you know that eternity hangs in the balance? It's not a subset of convictions. It's not a theological construction. Church is not a social club. It's not even a great service organization, even though we ought to do great service and we ought to be social. We ought to meet together like a club. We ought to do all those things, but it's not that. It is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ gathered. And as I looked at you this morning as we sang and as I thought about this passage, I'm just burdened that you hear very clearly often that each of us have a responsibility in the kingdom. Joe McKeever uh, was the pastor of First Baptist Columbus, then First Baptist Charlotte, North Carolina, and then First Baptist Kenner became director of missions in New Orleans. Joe was my pastor from my senior year in high school uh, through college and really has been my mentor in a number of different ways. Joe posts a lot on Facebook. Uh, Joe also may be 112 years old at this stage of the game. He's, he's in his 80s, and, dude, he does not slow down. He's unbelievable. He's a caricature artist, and he's well-known. He's been everywhere. I'm sure he's been here. Joe is just one of my favorite people. Uh, but Joe just posted a, a little re- remembering of a lady who told a pastor, Pastor, I wish you'd take your vision and just get out of here. We don't want to change. And he had some remarks about that. And without stepping and plagiarizing Joe, let me say this. God's got a vision for you that's beyond any one of us in the room. And I can't wait to see how that is brought to fruition by the work of his spirit in your new pastor and the new days ahead. I started by saying I wanted to give you kind of a gentle caution. And I want to reiterate that. You need to expect much of your pastor. Because it is a sacred role that men who are called to the pastorate fill. That's fair. But you need to be aware, as I started this morning, that the pressure to fulfill everybody's expectations is very unrealistic. So when your pastor arrives, you should be excited. I mean, seriously, people, you are favored here. This is an incredible thing. 
but treat him with love and respect and some boundaries. Don't overexpect him to do your ministry for you. Expect him to encourage you and equip you to do your ministry that God's called you to. Because everyone needs to hear the glorious gospel of Christ. Help him. Pray for him. Serve the body of Christ when you need to serve him. But remember that ultimately you're serving Christ and Christ's body. And there's going to be some great days ahead. I'm excited to be with you another couple of weeks. Though I won't be here next Sunday, uh, I will be with you in spirit. I'm, I'm delighted for you. This morning, uh, at the end of our services, as you know, we offer an invitation. And the invitation today is clear out of Romans. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart. You'll come to Christ. That's, that's his heart for you, that everyone knows him. He loves you. He sees you. He knows your name. He knows your life. He knows the stuff in your life, and he wants to transform your life for the glory, the purpose of God and the kingdom. If you've never trusted Christ, I'd encourage you to do that today. If you have questions about that, biblical questions perhaps, I'd be honored to talk with you as would many others. Uh, The invitation also stands, if you'd like to come, believing God is leading you to join this part of the body of Christ that is named East Haven Baptist Church. You become part of this kind of local family, this group of people who gather to worship and be equipped and serve. And I can't think of a better place in the world. Some of you have been probably kind of looking from the outside in, and I would encourage you to step in to what God's doing at East Haven. If you're moving your letter, if you're coming from another denomination or another movement, another church, we can pray through what that means. Today, your response to the invitation will be a decision to investigate what it might mean to be a member of East Haven Baptist Church. I want to pray for us. Robert will come. We will sing. And I, I stand here and I'm telling you the inside, I stand here, I'm very comfortable standing here knowing that God does the moving that I don't. But I also know God's heart is for each and every one of us to connect to the body of Christ, to faith him and love him. So if he's leading you, I'd encourage you and I will pray for you to be bold in your response. Let's pray together. Father, I am grateful for your grace. Uh, We'd be nowhere, God. We would be so helpless without your grace and the power of your spirit in our life. I'm grateful for the word that reminds us that the gospel is for everyone. God, that means me and that means every man, woman, and child in this building and beyond. Lord, I pray that if anyone in this building is not received you, has not confessed you, has not believed you, that today would be that day. God, we look forward to the days ahead. We know you're at work in this place. And I pray that this house would be blessed in such a powerful way, that you would expand the kingdom, that you would use the men and women in this room, that people would step up into areas of service, that men and women would pray and intercede for their church, for their pastor, for their family and their friends. 
God, I pray you would remind us that we are but recipients of grace and that all of us are desperately needy. This morning, Lord, if somebody would be led by your spirit to come and be a part of this church, I pray boldness and courage and quick response and obedience. So, Father, do what you will do. Spirit, have your way in this place. We worship you. We love you. I pray this time of invitation would be an expression of worship of our hearts. Have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You come if God leads. We'll be at the front. Let's stand together. Robert. Call upon the name of the Lord.